You forgot the lady's name? Does anybody know the lady's name? It's Barbara. Phoebe? Nope. It's close, though. Josh? Nope. Chloe? Chloe. Yep. House of Chloe. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. For it hath been de- declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So Chloe had written Paul a letter, um, obviously one of the, I would say, founding members of the church, the, uh, what do they call them? Uh, had it on the tip of my tongue. What's the first members in a church? No, no, no. When they first start the church and there's a little group, charter members, charter member of the, of the church of Corinth. But uh, anyway, so we're going to get into that content today. And I told you it's going to be, um, I don't really know how long it's going to take to get through this. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, and so I, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to get bogged down, but um, I can't guarantee you that we'll get through a chapter a week. Uh, we might uh, get to a spot and go through a couple chapters in one week, but we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter one today. <clears throat> And I forgot to tell you, I wanted to tell you when I got up here, my wife told me this morning she saw a news article that the White House said, this has nothing to do with our lesson, but the White House said, um, this is the fastest in history, the fastest gas prices have ever come down. I was like, you raised them to $6 and then brought them down. And said, that's the fastest you've ever come down. So anyway, I wanted to say that at the beginning. But let's pray, and then we'll get into uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, as we pray every week, I pray that you would help us as we study your word, that you'd help us to uh, understand it, that you would help us to be students of your word as we go home even, that we would uh, get back into uh, some of the things that we talk about and study some of them deeper for ourselves. Now, there's things that we'll talk about in these lessons that uh, we don't have the time to uh, really dive deep into so we'll just touch the the surface on them but I pray that you'd help each one of us to go back and study those things out for ourselves that we would be like the Bereans God that we're going in and and uh, looking at your word make sure what's being taught is matching with your word and when we do realize that it's the same that we would follow Uh, we would follow our pastor as he follows you but God I just pray that as we uh, look into the book of first Corinthians that you'd help us to understand some of the things here and that you'd give us a good uh, Sunday school service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to look at is the salutation. Salutation is pretty obvious. Every one of Paul's epistles starts this way, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. And doesn't end there. It's verses, it's verses 1 through uh, 3. Actually, it's verses 1 through 9, but verses 1 through 3, he's just introducing himself, which they know him. It's not, a, it's not a surprise to them. But I want you to look at something real fast, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, and this is one of those things that you can uh, study out for yourself. Oh, great, that's not it. Uh, well, I'll just tell you what it is, because that's not the reference that I was looking for. But Paul... Let me look at something else real quick. Might be might be nine five. I thought it was five nine, but it might be nine five. Nope, it's not. So I'll just tell you. But this is if I find it, I have it written somewhere in my notes. I'll tell you later the actual reference. But Paul says, "I wrote in, I wrote to you in a letter before." So a lot of people believe that Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians before this one, 
uh, before 1 Corinthians, and then he wrote 2 Corinthians. But before he wrote 1 Corinthians, there's another letter to the Corinthians that's not in the, the, the Bible. Uh, it, wasn't, it didn't become scripture. And you can, you can imagine, uh, so I was reading, me and me, Brother Josh and, and Pastor had a, a text going last night a little bit, uh, some of the things that Paul was writing. You can tell that Paul wasn't just write, sitting down and writing a quick letter to the Church of Corinth or the, the Ephesians. Paul did a lot of writing. You can tell by the way he writes how much he wrote. So there's a lot of letters out there, I'm sure, to some of these churches that didn't make it into the Bible uh, for, for one reason or another. Not everything that Paul wrote was inspired by God. Some of it was just instruction. Some of it was uh, just to maybe touch base with the church or whatever else, and it didn't make it to Scripture. But the part that is in the Bible inspired by God and that's what Paul is saying here in verse 1 he's he's giving us the authority that he's writing under Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and I got a lot of notes written in here so if I stop to try to figure out where I'm at uh, bear with me but I don't want to miss some of this uh, he mentions his apostolic authority because it had been had been challenged turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 So the Jews were challenging Paul's apostleship um, because they already had the 12 apostles. Judas uh, hanged himself, right, when he betrayed Christ. They got another one, ended up being Matthias, and the Jews are saying, you're not an apostle. Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Paul was an apostle. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he's, it's all over in the Bible. Uh, and I, I mentioned in uh, Acts... Who wrote Acts? Luke. Dr. Luke, right? Was a friend of Paul. But in Luke, Paul, uh, I mean, in Acts, Luke calls Paul and Barnabas apostles. So one of the, one of the um, arguments that people have for Paul being an apostle is that Paul's the only one who ever calls himself an apostle. But that's not the case. Luke calls him one in Acts. He says Paul and Barnabas, apostles of, of Christ. But anyway, Paul here is, say, is giving us the authority that he's an apostle on. And in chapter 9, he addresses that uh, people challenging his apostleship. In verse 1, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer is to them that do examine me. My answer to them that examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and drink? And he goes on, but... Chloe had written to Paul also and said, hey, there's people that don't believe you're even an apostle. I don't think necessarily in the church they were saying that, but I think the Jews outside the church were saying, you're following this guy. He's, he doesn't even have the authority to start a church, let alone tell you what to believe or what, you know, teach doctrine to you. And Paul was addressing that in chapter 9, but he addresses it here first in verse 1, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's telling them, hey, this is the authority that I'm writing on. Um, and I wrote this down. Remember, this letter is not Scripture yet. So Paul is showing them the authority with which he is writing. It's very, that's an interesting point. When these, when these letters are written to these churches, they're just letters from Paul. I just mentioned there was another one before this. It's not Scripture yet to them. So it's not, it's, it doesn't hold the, the weight that we look at Scripture as. This is in the Bible. I don't know if I don't understand it. I'm going to study it. it, it it's biblical. It's Scripture. I, it, it's got to be truth. 
at this time, it's not yet. It's just a letter to them. So Paul is trying to give them the authority he's writing under, and that's why he starts all these letters in this way. I'm called to be an apostle, and, and he doesn't say I'm writing under the inspiration of God, but that's where he's getting his authority from. All right? So we have Paul is the writer, and we talked about Sosthenes, right? End of verse 1. And Sosthenes, our brother. Remember, Sosthenes was the ruler of the synagogue that was converted to Christ. Uh, Sosthenes was the one that got beat because Gallio would not beat Paul, basically, and the Jews were mad at Sosthenes in Acts chapter 18, I believe it was. And so um, they're mad at Sosthenes. Gallio says, get, get out of my court. I'm not even going to hear this case. And so they beat Sosthenes. And the next time you hear of him is here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And that's the only mention. Sosthenes, our brother. He's a convert at this point to Christ. It's very interesting, too, that all the early title for Christians here was brother. They're brothers in Christ. And that's what Paul refers to him uh, here in verse 1. Sosthenes, our brother. Now, so those are the writers. Sosthenes, I don't believe, was a writer. I believe that Paul was maybe using him as a scribe or just kind of giving him, hey, this is, this is kind of commissioned by Sosthenes, or maybe Sosthenes was bringing the letter to them. Uh, we don't know exactly why he brings up Sosthenes, but uh, he does and gives it a little bit more credibility that, hey, Sosthenes is in on this too. And, and remember, this is Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18 is Paul's second missionary journey. Remember, we talked about that, uh, and, it, and we had the map up last week. Um, in Acts chapter 18 is when Sosthenes in Corinth, so Sosthenes is from Corinth. It just gives it a little bit more credibility to Paul's letter. The recipients then of the, the book of 1 Corinthians would be who? Look in your Bibles. Verse 2. This is school, Sunday school. Right. Verse, uh, verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So there's a lot here in verse 2. It's not just to the church of Corinth. Uh, if you look at the second part of the verse, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. The book of 1 Corinthians is probably one of the most, it's hard to say, but it's probably one of the most uh, the book that is the mo that we can relate to the most for the New Testament church. There's so much in here. This is what Paul was writing for to tell them how the New Testament church is supposed to work. Uh, he corrects some issues, but then remember the second half of the book, they had asked him for a bunch of advice. Remember marriage, offering. What? How do we do these things? What are we supposed to do? And that's what the book of First Corinthians is for. And we we there's so much doctrine in First Corinthians that that's what that's the New Testament church. That's what we. Uh, uh, model our church after trying to be biblical and so the recipients are the church at Corinth look at Acts chapter 20 verse 28 so the reason for this book Acts chapter 20 verse 28 and Paul doesn't write it in first Corinthians but take heed therefore verse 28 Unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. We already talked about this, how important the church is to Jesus Christ. He purchased it 
with his own blood. And so Paul is saying, hey, this is the church of God I'm writing to. This is not, this is not my people. This is Jesus Christ's church that I'm writing to. So this whole beginning section of 1 Corinthians, this whole first part of the first chapter, he's setting it up to tell them, I'm going to, he doesn't say this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say some hard things to you. Don't be mad at me. I'm an apostle. I'm speaking under the authority of Christ, but this is Christ's church. And this is what he wants us to do. So don't be mad at me. Uh, when if you get your toes stepped on all right and we've heard pastors say that before I've heard lots of pastors say that hey don't get mad at me I'm reading the Bible this is what the Bible says and uh, often we still get upset but hopefully we're spiritual enough to get that taken care of on our own but that's what he's saying here this is the church of God it's unto the church of God which is at Corinth Uh, so then he says verse 2 to them that are sanctified. Somebody tell me what sanctified means. And I am going to have some people read verses here. So, Miss Barbara, before I get somebody to answer that, can you look up 1 Peter 3.15? Sure. Uh, Brother Chris, can I look, get you to look up Exodus 16.23? And Miss Megan, Exodus 28.22. We're going to read these three, these three verses. They're going to give us examples of what sanctification is. Uh, Brother Nate, what's sanctification? Set apart. Consecrated, Consecrated is, is, an, is another word. And, and we'll look at that here in a second. The word itself really mean, is, does mean set apart. And consecrated has the exact same thing because we're going to look at it in these verses. But set apart for what? We're not just set apart from the world to be different. We are different. But it's not just, oh, we're different than the world. We're better than them. I had a conversation with a guy at work, and that was his big thing. You think you're better than me. You think because you're a Christian, you're better than me. I said, no, I don't. I just think that I have found the truth, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not better than you. I found the truth, and and this is something you need to know too. Brother Nate, you had your hand up, set apart to? Yes, unto God. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's set apart for God's possession and for his purpose. So that's the consecration part. It's for his purpose. It's We're not set apart. So that we can say, show everybody how different we are or how good we are. We're set apart for God's purpose. Miss Barbara, if you read 1 Peter 3.15, our thoughts should be sanctified. And that's what this verse is. Very good. Sanctify, set apart even in your, in your heart, in our thoughts. Um, it's, it's, we've heard messages, and this is what I'm saying, there's so much here that I'm not going to get into, but we hear messages about how, you know, what's in our heart. The Bible says that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What, what's in our heart? It doesn't mean our physical heart. It means our mind, our thought, our, our actual being. What's What's in our thoughts and in our heart? That's what the mouth speaks. So we need to set, a, set it apart unto God. Uh, it's his possession. We just read it. The church of God, which is at Corinth. He bought the church with his blood. We are part of the church. We are the church. And so our thoughts should be set apart. Brother Chris, Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. These are two more examples of things that were set apart, just to give us an idea of sanctification. Go ahead.
So this is talking about the um, manna. This computer, believe it or not, just did that again. But he's talking about the manna that was set apart, uh, or the Sabbath was set apart. So he's, the, the whole story there is the manna. But why were they not to gather on the, on the Sabbath? What, what difference does it make? Why is that a big deal? It's because it was a set apart day unto God. That was, that's the whole idea there. And then Miss Megan... My notes are gone again, so uh, you're in Exodus as well. But the, trying to remember it, it's another another uh, concept of set, Aaron's garments were set apart. That's what this verse is. And and that passage goes on and on, but it's talking about the garments that Aaron had. They were to be set apart because they were going to worship God, and, and even his garments needed to be sanctified. Enjoy the noise. It didn't completely turn off, so I don't know why it's doing that. Um, this is, this, doing this every week is not good. Sorry, I don't know why this, it's not uh, taking my password now. Come on. And I was in a hurry too. Okay, I think we're back. It did this to me last night and uh, scared me because when I pulled it back up, my notes Everything I had written was gone, and then it somehow recovered it. But anyway, we're back. I need to touch my screen every once in a while. All right, so we have uh, Aaron's garments. That was the last thing that was set apart. Um, now, Mr. Forbes, can you look up, uh, it's not far, 1 Corinthians one thirty, and Brother Nitten, no. Brother Matt, do you mind reading? Yes. Hebrews 10.10. 10. Um, we are our primary sanctification. The, the, the main thing we are set apart from is sin. Um, with sin, the Bible says, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord cannot hear our prayers. Uh, and it's, the Bible is just full of verses about our sin. Our primary sanctification, our primary thing that we are set apart for God's purpose from is sin. And if, if Mr. Forbes, go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. So that's, that's one of the primary things we're set apart from sin. Brother Matt, go ahead and read Hebrews chapter 10. By the which we are, we will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. And so what was, he, what was that offering for? To make us good people? To, to you know, uh, 
up for us to be able to say, oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. No, it was, he offered himself for one reason. Sin can't get to heaven, and it had to be paid for. And that's what he was, once for all, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, once for all that offering was made for our sin. But it's also, let's see, uh, Brother Kevin, you good to read? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And Brother Nitton, John chapter 17, verse 17. This sanctification is not just a one-time, okay, good, I'm set apart, great. This is something that needs to be done continually, and we are sanctified, we are set apart as God's possession and for his purpose. We're sanctified to grow. We're set apart so that we will grow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. So he's saying we, we need to continue to set ourselves apart so that we can continue to grow as Christians. John chapter 17. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Very good. So sanctified, we're set apart to grow as Christians, but we're also sanctified, we're set apart, and, and I'm going to move a little quicker after this, but we're set apart to be more like Christ. Miss Neha, can you look up 1 Thessalonians 5, 23? And Brother Nate, you good to read? Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. I thought you looked down and you were already there. I was like, man, he's on it. I thought you, I didn't see you turning. I thought you were already there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. We're sanctified. We are set apart to become more like Christ. Go ahead, Miss Neha. Yes. So he, he's, we are sanctified so that at the coming of Christ, we're acceptable to him. That's part, of, that's part of our salvation, but we're set apart to be like him. Brother Nate. What five, 26? Uh, 5, 26, and 27. talking about the church right why would he if he if he died for the church is it not already I mean is it not already going to be blameless before him now he's talking about hey I want you to be set apart so that when I present it to God when I present my bride to my father it's without spot without wrinkle without blemish so we are we are set apart to be like Christ holy and pure second thing so we have the church who is the recipients, and then there's others. We're going to get to them that are the recipients of this. Um, but he says, uh, the church at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but sainthood is something that's very, a concept that's very misconstrued, especially by the Catholic Church. They have this whole uh, process of canonizing a saint, and it's unbiblical. Let me see, where am I back? Can you go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6? And I'll get there in a second. It's unbiblical. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that you need to, to do this whole process to become a saint. And I didn't write, even write down the, the uh, requirements for it because they're not biblical and it does, that's not really our, our point here. But 
Um, a saint is one set apart for and by God. We already talked about that. Now, every believer is a saint by calling on the name of Christ. Uh, the Bible, Bible, and I have this written down here somewhere. Where's it at? Saint is used 62 times in the New Testament for believers. They didn't all go through this process. Uh, think about who Paul is writing to here in, in 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's a church that is going through some major struggles. And he says, this, this book is to them called to be saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord. What is he saying? They're saints. Everybody that calls upon the name of Christ is a saint. It's not this Catholic idea. But go ahead and read that, Miss Barbara, if you're there. Amen. So it doesn't mention the word saints there, but the idea in those two verses is he offered his blood. We accepted it. It's done. It's not this whole process of, you know, getting to be a becoming a saint like the Catholic Church says. And that's that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, so it's just, this book is also written to the saints, but it's also written in verse chapter two, uh, chapter one, verse two. And I already mentioned this, but to all that call on the name of Christ, at the end of verse 2 there, to all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. This is written to us. We've called upon the name of Christ, right? This book is written to us, and Paul's making that very clear here. Now, whether Paul had the foresight, because there's, there's places in the New Testament where Paul says, hey, the, the Jesus coming is at hand. I mean, it's here. He may he, I don't believe he thought that 2,000 years later we there would be Christians reading these. But again, it's written under the inspiration of God. God knew it would, that it would be the case. And so he has him add this uh, call to all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ. So this book is written to us. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ, the title for, for Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is found five times in the first 10 verses of, first Corinthians chapter, of, of the book of 1 Corinthians. Why would he do that? Why would he, he keeps on saying it. If you read those first 10 verses, he keeps on saying that. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's wanting them to know, and I already mentioned this, but he's wanting them to know what he's about to say is not coming from him. This is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are Christians that he's writing to. Even though they're carnal, even though they've slipped, he's, wanted, he's appealing to that little part of them that called on the name of Jesus Christ when he was there or since then. So he's appealing to that, saying, look, the Lord Jesus Christ is getting their attention. They're Christians. And he says, now, this is being written because uh, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. And, and I'm going to move on. I had a few more notes, but um, that's the main point there. He wants them to know this is, this is being written under the authority of Christ. So we have that, that little salutation or that little greeting there. Oh, nope, I'm about to get to it. Okay, because I had some good points here. Brother Nitt and I even mentioned... The Indian culture, because when we were going to the coming home from the ark, uh, I knew this, but I had forgotten. Um, Indian Christians, when they greet each other, right, they don't say, "Hey, how are you?" They say, "Praise the Lord," right. And I kept hearing him. He's speaking. He was speaking uh, Marathi. He was speaking Marathi in the uh, on the phone or on the Zoom in the car 
getting that his church service set up on Saturday because we were driving back on Saturday. But everybody that jumped on the call, he'd say, praise the Lord, you know, so-and-so. Praise the Lord, so and they would praise the Lord back. That means the Christ, it's the Christian greeting for, you know, hey, how are you? But it's praise the Lord. That's what Paul does here. If you look in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, somebody tell me, who is Paul writing to? Now, I don't mean the church. Who, what nationality or what cultures is he writing to in 1 Corinthians? We talked about this a few weeks ago. There's two, two main groups. Jews and, uh, you say Gentiles? I gave you the second one. Jews and Gentiles, okay? So, very interesting. Who am I on? Brother Chris, can you turn to Numbers chapter 6, verse 26? And I, I can't remember what this verse is exactly. I read it and wrote it down. And I don't even know what it is in my head, but it's uh, the Hebrew salutation. So he is greeting the Greeks, the Gentiles first. Remember that the Corinthians were, were Greeks. So he's greeting them first. Um, he says, grace be unto you, um, which is the Greek salutation. And then he says, and peace, which is the Hebrew salutation. Kind of interesting, um, but I don't have a verse for the Greek one because we're reading it, but he, uh, Numbers chapter 6, verse 26, Brother Chris. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's it? I thought it was longer than that. And give thee peace. So it's the, it's the Hebrew salutation, and he uses that because there are Jews in the church. Remember, he went to the Jews first in Acts chapter 18. He went to the synagogue. All that happened with Gallio and Sosthenes and all of them. And he, and he says, fine, I'm going to the Gentiles. But there are Jewish Christians here in the church. Sosthenes is one of them. He was a Jew. He's a devout Jew, ruler of the synagogue that became a Christian. So he's writing to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and he greets them as such. It just kind of gives you an idea of, I don't know if it, was, it would have been very natural for Paul, but we talked about this a few weeks ago in the introduction of this book. Paul is, is kind of a deep character. He's not just you know, some missionary that happened upon the, the, the city of Corinth. He knows where he's going when he's going to these different places. And so he, <clears throat> I don't think he, by any stretch, he's trying to uh, show them, hey, I know your cultures at all. He is Greek and he is Jew, if you remember. Um, and he's also Roman uh, because of where he grew up there in Tarsus. All right, so he salutes them, grace and peace. And I wrote this down. This should be every, not just pastor, but every Christian's wish for his fellow uh, Christians. Grace from God that brings peace in our lives. And that's what Paul is saying here. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he starts thanking them. And this is interesting that in verse four, Paul is writing, them to, writing to correct them. And when we um, talked about the author, which was Paul uh, two weeks ago, I think, we talked about how Paul is so... Uh, He's firm, but he's tender in, these are brand new Christians. He's firm, but he's tender in guiding them. And the first thing he does here in verse four is he thanks God for them. Even though they're carnal and they've got all these wicked problems in the church, he's thanking God for them. Verse four, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. <clears throat> and I have... We could go, there's so much we could talk about here as well, 
But in spite of their carnal nature, he's saying, I'm glad that you found the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. And I wrote this down. Paul begins most of his epistles with thanksgiving for the saints. This is a great example of the best way to show our affection for our Christian friends is to pray for them and to give thanks for them. I think sometimes we, uh, it's like siblings almost in a way where you don't realize how much you have until you don't have it. I think Christians are that way often. We bicker and we fight. We shouldn't, but we do until we don't have that person. And then we're like, oh man, I, I really I miss him so much. We can do that now. We can pray for each other and we can, we can tell each other, hey man, I'm thankful for whatever you did. Like yesterday, there was a lot of guys, a lot of ladies out there sweating, working. We can be thankful for that. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey man, thanks for, thanks for all the help. But, there, but it goes even deeper than that. Uh, you know, we're, we're very actively praying for some different situations in our church. There's nothing wrong with the person being prayed for, going to, that, to other people and saying, thank you for praying for me. It means everything. Um, but anyway, so I wrote that down. That's one way we can show our affection. We don't, we don't give the, the kiss on the cheek or anything like that, right, uh, that, that they used to back in the day. But we can show our affection by prayer and by saying thank you. Uh, for, for when, when someone does something for us, especially in the church. But he thanks them for their gifts. It's interesting. Verse 5, he says that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance. Anybody know what, that, what he's talking about? And I just, we just got a couple minutes. What is the utterance that he's talking about? He's thanking them for this gift of utterance. What is that? Yeah. Yeah, speaking, preaching. In this particular case, probably the speaking in tongues. Not that the Pentecostals uh, talk about, but preaching and speaking in tongues. You have Romans, Jews, Gentiles, probably a whole mix. Remember the church. Uh, we even saw uh, in Acts chapter 18, uh, Priscilla and Aquila got kicked out of Rome. Who knows what some of these, the language some of these people were speaking. And that was one of the things the gifts God had given at this time for the early church was tongues so that they could preach and they could understand. Now, at Pentecost, they understood in their own language. I believe here that he's thanking some that knew other languages for getting up and interpreting it. That's, that's what's going on here. So he's thanking them for the gift of utterance. And he's also thanking them, uh, end of verse 5, and in all knowledge. Thanking them for the gift of knowledge. Understanding God's word. That's what knowledge is. The understanding of, of God's word. So he's thanking a few of these people for these gifts. Uh, <clears throat> and I wrote this down too. These gifts were from God and can be stirred up by him, but not worked up by man. And I think that's what happens nowadays. The, holy, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost or the, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost is not evident in the lives of, of people, so they work it up. And we end up with uh, tongues and all kinds of crazy things. But here in this passage, verse 5, it was true uh, utterance, true tongues, true knowledge of God's underst understanding of God's word that, that he's thanking them for. So, let's see. He also thanks them that they're confirmed to the end, verses 7 through 9, and you can read those and, and look through them on your, on your own. But then he gets into, and we'll stop here for today, but he gets into, actually, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, he, he at the, in verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. What is that fellowship? The fellowship of his son. What is, that, what is he talking about? And I got three verses for you that I want, that I want us to look up. Uh, interesting, but let's see. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Who are we on? Miss Megan, are we on you? 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Mr. Forbes, can you look up 2 Corinthians 13, 13 and 14? And then Brother Matt, can you look up Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 23? And we'll read these few passages and then we'll be done. And we'll start into, uh, in verse 10, and this will go a lot faster next week, but verse 10, the divisions in the church, that, and you see that in verse 10. But what are we a fellowship? What are, verse 9, what fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, do we have with him? In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, we, are, we have the fellowship of the blood of Christ. Go ahead, Miss Megan. So we have that, that, that's one thing we have in common is what I'm, what I'm talking about, uh, uh, is the blood of Christ that, that brings this, the fellowship of the saints all together. We also have the Holy Ghost, Mr. Forbes, First, Second Corinthians 13, 13. That's it? Yeah. We had the second shortest verse in the Bible there for a second. Yes, 14 is the one I'm looking for. The communion of the Holy Ghost. We have that, the Holy Ghost, that also uh, brings us together in fellowship. And then we have the glory of Christ. Matt, Brother Matt, uh, Romans 8, 17 and 23. Just the two, 17 and 23. <clears throat> and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grow. Thank you. So we're, we're waiting on the redemption of our bodies, but the glory of Christ is another thing that brings us together. We're going to stop right there um, <clears throat> for this week. But the salutation, there's just, that's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're interested at all, hopefully this does pique your interest some uh, to study more of the book on your own. But um, you can get into commentaries and things like that pastor says this all the time we don't go to commentaries to decide what we believe necessarily but it does help us uh dig a little bit deeper and maybe maybe give us thoughts on things that we oh man i never thought of that um but the, the salutation the greeting here that we have from paul is is really rich in, in my opinion he's he's addressing the jews the gentiles he's thanking them for the gifts that they've uh not for the gifts that they have but the gifts that they've acted upon um, God gave them the gifts of utterance and knowledge, knowledge, understanding, but they could have not acted on them, and the church needs that. So he thanks them for that, and then in verse 10 he gets right into, all right, here's the first problem that you all have, and we're going to get into that next week, all right?
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 is where we'll pick up next week. Let's pray, and then we'll be, uh, get ready for the service. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you again for your word. Thank you for this letter here to the Corinthians. God, I pray that as uh, New Testament believers, we would uh, really dive in here and, and understand what it is that you, have us, that you want us to believe, that you want us to follow, and we would use the book of 1 Corinthians to understand that. God, I just pray that you'd give me the words to say and, and the understanding as I study to bring uh, these lessons to your people, uh, God, so that we can understand better, so that we can know you better, and that we can follow you closer. Pray that you be with this next hour, that you be with our service, that you be with our pastor, give him wisdom and power as he preaches, and I pray that you be with our hearts, that we would accept what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're dismissed. <laughs>